Hi, I'm Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. This is a reminder that we're going on tour next summer. Yes, that's right. We're going on tour. The Living Undeterred U.S. Tour 2022. We're leaving on May 9th next summer. We're going to every state and we're raising a million dollars. That's the plan to change the narrative on mental health, substance abuse, and addiction. We need your help though. I cannot do this alone. I know there's a lot of people out there interested in this uh, project of ours. You can go to our website, www.livingundeterred.com. We need volunteers. We need state partnerships. We need sponsors. We need as many people as we can to get out there and help those people that need help to change the narrative on mental health, substance abuse, and addiction. Again, go to livingundeterred.com and click on the Living Undetoured icon, and all the information is there. Again, thank you very much for the support, and as always, keep living undeterred. Welcome, I'm Jeff Johnston, and welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. I'll be your host today with a special guest, Zachary Green from beautiful Hilton Head, South Carolina. Uh, last time I was in Hilton Head, I watched my son play golf, and I can say it's arguably the the best golf uh, area of the country. Um, so you're you're living in the golf mecca. I assume you're a golfer, Zachary. Uh, believe it or not, I'm not. I need to start getting into it since I've moved down here. I, I used to play before my son was born, but it's hard to get five hours off. It is. I I only play nine anymore. Anyway, it's it's tough to play eighteen. It seems like yeah, nine is um, is comfortable. Yeah. Well, listen, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I, I want to navigate into this warrior mindset that I I met you on uh, on LinkedIn and I, I've listened to some of your podcasts. And I can say that um, a lot of people right now uh, need to listen to what you're talking about, about being resilient. And and uh, as I say, as living undeterred, you know, it's kind of a mindset that you develop. And yours goes back a long ways. I mean, I know your history. You and I have talked before. But do you mind going back to early in the beginning where you kind of developed some of this mindset, the, the warrior's mindset, I guess. And I do want to talk about the kind of the, the, uh, the, the, the truths, I guess, of the, of the warrior you call, the common truths of the warrior. I wrote them down. There's, I think, four of them I'd like to have you talk about as well. So a little bit, talk a little bit about yourself, Zachary. And again, welcome to the Living Undeterred Show. And um, I'm super excited to hear what you have to say uh, to to me and to our listeners today. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for the opportunity to get on. And, and I got to tell you and your listeners, and the few times that we've talked, you have inspired me so deeply in your warrior journey and how it's never what happens to you. It's how you react to it. Um, my journey really started back in, in, in grade school. I, I went to probably six or seven different schools from kindergarten through high school private schools, parochial schools, public schools, Montessori schools, nothing worked for me. I was having a ton of problems, off the charts, ADHD, dyslexia. My parents always tried to find a place where I could truly be that round peg in that round hole. And um, growing up, I had a lot of people tell me, look, you're not going to mount to anything. You're not going to do well. You're going to be a failure. And, you know, every time someone said that to me, I got more motivated to show them wrong, that I was going to show them wrong. And I think that's part where the warrior mindset starts. And that is you can use adversity to break you or you can use adversity to help you grow. Think mm -hmm. of the concept of iron sharpens iron and how we, you know, we want to build up that rhino skin. 
Um, ever since as a little kid, I had a deep love for my country and especially deep love for the Marine Corps. And when I turned 18, uh, I walked into the recruiter's office and told him I wanted to be a Marine. And before we started talking, I was explaining to him all the stuff that the Army had offered me, all this big signing bonus. <laughs> Talked about the Air Force was telling me how easy it was going to be. The Navy told me about all the places I get to go. And he just, you could see him going from this big smile to like <laughs> frown to like straight up grimace. And he lifted his feet off the ground, put them up on the table. He kind of leaned back in his chair like this. And he said, son, we've been the finest fighting force for over 240 years and we'll continue to be that way. The question is, what can you give the Marine Corps? And wow. I kind of was like, okay. And he goes, and by the way, I've seen guys like you before. You'll never make it through boot camp. There's no way you're going to be able to be tough enough. And I showed him, I grabbed the contract right out of his hand, signed it right there on the spot. And before you know it, a couple months later, I'm standing on the famous yellow or infamous yellow footprints at Paris Island, which is oh wow, the, the worst place you can imagine. Now, it's funny how my life has taken me full circle. And now I'm down at Hilton Head, only eight miles away from Paris Island, literally can oh. see it from my beach. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of interesting how that worked out. But when I got to Paris Island, obviously, it's very difficult for anybody. But for me, it was off the charts difficult. And the reason why is I was coddled a lot growing up. My parents did very well for themselves, gave me all the great things that I ever asked for. And here I am serving with these kids that grew up in the coal mines of West Virginia or the projects right. in New Orleans and the streets in Philadelphia. They didn't always get three meals a day or roof over the head. And they're like, this is awesome. I'm getting all the food I can eat. I got a nice place to sleep. And they excelled, but I kept getting worse and worse. And what I realized is they had already been through their resistance. They had been through multiple crucibles in their life. Right. I hadn't. And my first crucible happened about the second or third week when I dropped my rifle, the drill instructor leaned over to me and said, look, your mom and dad aren't here to help you anymore. And you're not going to make it. You're a quitter and you're, you're a failure. And that brought back all these emotions and all those things of what had happened growing up. And, and I, I collapsed. It was my crucible. And so the book's journey, and we'll talk a little bit about my professional journey after I got out of the Marine right. Corps in a second, but it was so significant that moment of my, you know, only 18 years of life. You have resistance. You have these things that happen in your life that are very difficult and they prepare you for what's going to lie ahead. Because as you start to get trained and you start to experience those difficulties, you start to develop that rhino skin. So the first hmm. thing I challenge your listeners is embrace the suck. You know, we have a common saying in the Marine Corps, embrace the suck, embrace that adversity, because that's just helping you make you stronger. Like the great philosopher Nietzsche said, what doesn't yeah. kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. So for me, once you get into that crucible, which was happening when I was crying on the parade deck of Paris Island, thinking that my mom and dad weren't there to help me and I wasn't tough enough. At the bottom of the crucible is the abyss. And the abyss stands for darkness, death, failure. Now, again, Nietzsche also has talked about if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually the abyss will stare back, which means it will consume you. Right. So for anyone that's had a critical crisis in their life where they see that abyss and you start to think maybe suicide's the right answer or maybe, you know, doing something really dangerous or stupid's the right answer. When you're in a crisis, every option becomes available to you. When you're not in a crisis, that doesn't always happen. But you have to honor the abyss, recognize how horrible it is, and then you have to transform and you have to conquer it. 
Now there's, those are very specific words, transform and conquer. The conquer is you have to destroy what got you there. That believing that negative voice, believing those people that told you you weren't tough enough, you have to destroy that. And the second thing you have to do is you have to make a transformation. And we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, my transformation that occurred, I became a U.S. Marine. Major transformation that stayed with me to, to this day and helped me grow my company. I get out of the Marine Corps in 99. Uh, a couple of years later, September 11th happens. I've right. got a lot of survivor's guilt. Feel really bad that my buddies are out there taking the fight to the enemy and I'm getting fat and enjoying civilian life. And so I joined our volunteer fire department. And early on in my experience as a firefighter, I got lost in a fire. And I wanted to invent or develop something that would help firefighters not get lost. And really, rather than focusing on the product, I wanted to focus on how we can reduce disorientation and increase accountability in zero visibility environments. And I developed this glow-in-the-dark material, started selling it out of the trunk of my car, made like 5000 bucks in six months, eventually... Um, quit my full-time job, which was at Eli Lilly doing brand marketing and development and strategy, uh, went to a big trade show. And in three days at the trade show, I booked hundred thousand dollars in sales. Wow. The problem was, is I had no money to buy the <laughs> material. I had right. no manufacturer capability. I had no way to distribute it. But what I learned in the Marine Corps and because of that transformational <clears throat> moment, it's embedded in my core. And that is mission accomplishment, no matter what happens. I ended up refinancing my house, maxed out my credit cards, borrowed against my 401k. And over the next 10 years, I turned it into about a $30 million company. So, so I call that you fake it till you make it. Absolutely. And, I and, you, and when you made more. it, you're like, what do I do next? <laughs> well, and it's funny because I put a lot of goals out there for me. Some of them very tangible goals, like a car right. or, uh, you know, opportunity to move to Hilton Head. And once I got those, it's like, ah, what do I do now? I kind of felt right. let down because I had accomplished it. So now I'm setting up new goals. And, and one of them is, is what you and I are talking about today, sharing my story. So this um, entrepreneur, I like the way that you've kind of got your, uh, your book is what the, the warrior entrepreneur, is that what it's called? Right. Um, because I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur as well. I have that, I have that that disease, I guess you'd call it where I'm it always is a kind of, disease. No yeah. Question. Cause you're always it's looking addiction. at, yeah, you're looking at different ways you could take whatever your passion is and, and turn it into a business. And I guess for some people, they may look at that as, you know, my case, I, I'm doing this living undeterred project and I'm going around the country next year and raising all this money. And I want to help people learn how to work through this mental health issue that we have as a country, as a society. And so my entrepreneur mind is turning as well. And I got to be a little careful in that people don't, you know, take it the wrong way. But then again, entrepreneurs probably don't care what other people think, you know. Um, and I admire what you did with this idea that, that you took. And um, you had, there was a need. There was an obviously, it must be an absolutely terrifying moment to be lost in a building that's on fire. I can't even imagine, you know, what that's like. And you said you, you said that it's happened to you before, right? It happens to everybody that's in the, a firefighter. And wow. the reason why is, number one, the electricity is probably going to be uh, disconnected because water and electricity don't mix real well. And we don't like squirting our hoses on things that are electrified. But yeah. number two is the, the dark, big, thick, black smoke. And 
when I had that experience where I got lost and I remember talking to my um, captain and he started making fun of me. He's like, look, that happens all the time when you're a firefighter. You just have to get used to it. I'm like, that's not acceptable. Yeah, right. You've got to find a solution to this problem. So what, what specifically real, I mean, you came up with a solution. Will you go back and explain again exactly what this solution was or is? And I'm assuming it's still being used uh, oh, yeah. in the industry throughout the country. But what, what exactly does it do? So it's glow in the dark. That's the easiest way to explain it. But think of it more like glow in the dark on steroids. So they're different crystals that absorb light and slowly release it out in the form of a green glow. We've all seen the, the Halloween toys and the concert oh, yeah. posters from the yep. 70s and 80s. Yep. That uses a zinc-based pigment. What happened is about 10, 15 years ago, they found um, by using a couple of rare earth elements such as strontium and europium, you could put them into a different crystalline matrix and actually make it glow a lot brighter and a lot longer. Hmm. I then found a way to take that to the next level and not only grow brighter and longer than anybody else had done, but put it into different carriers that would be more heat resistant, survive firefighting. My hmm. goal all along was always about helping my brother and sister firefighters. Now, what I did is I never, and this is a big thing that I find a lot of entrepreneurs fail in doing. They focus so much on the features and benefits. They miss the most vitally important thing you can do as an entrepreneur, and that is to solve a problem. So rather than me going around the country and just talking about how bright it glows and how long it glows and what its heat resistance is, I went around and just talked about, hey, have you ever been lost in a fire? What was it like? How did you find your way out? And it's always usually there was a little light coming through a window, maybe, or maybe it was a flashlight of somebody else that they could see, and that allowed them to orient ourselves. And then I talk about accountability. Have you ever lost your tool and had to you know, vent through a wall? Or have you ever lost track of where the hose was and not be able to get the wet stuff on the red stuff, which is pretty important when you're in a dynamic right. water situation. Right. And as I would get that buy-in and talk about those problems, and I say, well, here's a solution. And then I would show them the glow-in-the-dark material. And you know, it, it really just took off from there. And so you sold this business for how much? So I haven't sold the company yet. Oh, um, okay. It's still up and running. What we did was um, I brought the firefighter component. We, we built it pretty good. We were making a lot of revenue, not a lot of profit. Eventually um, raised a couple million dollars in venture capital financing with the goal of going after the exit sign market. Now, in the United States, there's 100 million exit signs. They all need batteries, light bulbs, and electricity. Huh. There's a loophole in the code that says you don't have to have them electrified. They just have to be visible when the power goes out for 90 minutes. Well, the glow that we have glows for so long and so bright, we were able to meet that code and develop a line of exit signs and get them patented. And wow. that's when things really took off. And, and, the, and the connection here is, and the brand is who's the one that inspects the exit signs. It's the firefighters. Well, I already had 100,000 firefighters using my products already to build that equity of that brand up. Yeah, and got absolutely. to know me as an entrepreneur. And that's really how we took it off. And, and when we really hit the, you know, the, the jackpot was when Home Depot started not only using it, but they started carrying it. And now we're distributed by pretty much all the major distributors out there. Well, I think it's a good example of um, kind of a relatively simple concept, you know, kind of an aha moment and how you, instead of just saying, well, I can do this and not doing it, you actually, you actually did it. And um, I'm sure you're, you're, you're always thinking of ways you could do the same thing, but it may be a different industry or a different market, you know? Um, 
Simple and elegant at, is so important. You know, I, Steve Jobs is the perfect example of that, of right. taking that um, iPod and getting rid of all the buttons and then eventually going to an iPhone that looks like this now that has no buttons at all on it. Simplicity. Yeah. So I, I want to pivot a little bit, if you're okay, uh, again, going back to uh, what I call the living undeterred mindset and then how that kind of complements kind of the warrior mindset, we'll call it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm asked frequently, you know, how, how can I actually have survived not only the death of a child, but then the death of my wife, which was just uh, six months ago. Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you not just, how do you survive that Jeff? And so I, I've got to thinking, you know, well, how do I answer that question? Doesn't sound overly dramatic or, you know, too, too, um, too easy and out, I guess. There's got to be a deeper way to look at this. And I, I actually started thinking about this and see what you think. You said transformation. I use the word evolution. Um, you know, I, I don't want to survive. Who, who wants to, who wants to survive? I, I don't want to thrive because that, that's almost too cliche because it rhymes with survive. Everyone says, don't survive. Let's thrive. I want to evolve. I want to, I want to, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. And, and, and you're not either. Um, we, most of us, it's the same person, but there's a part of us that's new, that's different, that's improved. And so with grief and trauma, I talk a lot about the evolution of yourself. You know, as a matter of fact, a chapter in my book is called The Evolution of Self. And you said transformation. So where does that tie into what you're doing? And do you look at the one of the cogs of the warrior mindset is the ability to shed your skin like a snake? rebuild it back up. And you say, again, transformation, I say evolution. Do you mind expounding on that a little bit deeper uh, on what your thoughts are on that? Yeah. And, and I think that is really the absolute essence of the warrior spirit, no matter if you're a father that, that lost a son or a spouse, rather than what I had, which obviously nothing is comparable. And I don't think you can compare grief because grief yeah, is a very unique person. Exactly. I 100% agree. I was losing my company and I can tell you it was the hardest, most difficult gut wrenching thing that's ever happened to me in my life. So much it almost killed me. I had a mm. panic attack, thought it was a heart attack and it was just like, something's not right here. So losing your business. And again, I could never, ever compare it to losing a child. But for me, it was the closest thing I could have ever gotten to something that's. Yeah. And so what happens is, and the reason I don't, I love the term evolution. I think that really fits in there. But transformation, I think of evolution as something that you're going to do no matter what. It's just life. It happens. Transformation is a physical choice that you're going to make, a conscious choice to do something different, to transform, to be able to change that. In order for the um, caterpillar to transform into the butterfly, it has to transform. It has to actually break through its skin go through this process and, and come through. And you've got to do that as a warrior. And it sometimes happens is that the greater that stress is, the greater that transformation needs to be and will be. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that can never transform through that. You will never, ever get over the loss of your, your family, ever. What you're going to do, though, is transform the way you deal with that and cope with that. Now, there's negative ways to cope with it. And there's right. positive ways to cope with it. It's very simple sometimes to slip into those negative things. Right. But the warrior is going to look at that and realize 
they they're on this earth to do something different, to really change the world and to really bring other people with them. And God has put you, Jeff, into this situation to give others a voice because now you are going to save the lives of other people by your vulnerability and by teaching them the tools that you have learned through this unbelievable crucible that you've been through. Yeah. And I was going to ask you because I, I, um, I think it's very important for anyone that's going through these things is it's admirable and heroic to be saving other people, but you have to save yourself first. You've got to save yourself first. I am no good to my two boys and my dad and my business partners and my clients. Um, if I'm not in a good frame of mind, um, so I talk about that frequently in, in, in sometimes you get people like you and I that are so focused on helping other people that we look in the mirror and we're miserable. We're not happy, but we're out there helping people. You know, I think that that's an important dynamic of this whole um, mental health initiative that, that I've been thrust into. But I was going to ask you this question, Zach, um, in regards to I'll call it expectations. I think there's an illusion out there and I want to get your thoughts on this. And the average person's expectations of what life should be and that they think, and you talk about being coddled. Um, I certainly wasn't coddled, but I grew up in white middle America, you know, in, in, in Iowa that if I wanted a motorcycle for Christmas. I got a motorcycle, you know, it's, I wasn't deprived of anything, certainly not of love either, but I think there's this subset of our culture that just the expectations are out of whack. Somebody dies and they're like shocked. They're like, well, that wasn't supposed to happen. It's like, well, but we all die. I mean, nobody's going to figure this deal out and live forever. So when death happens to us, we're like shocked. And it's like, it's, um, it's upsetting. And it's like, I think one of the foundations for me, for the living undeterred uh, mindset is expectations need to be realistic. You said, embrace the suck. Life sucks. A lot of times it sucks. It's unfair. It's unjust. Yet that can define you. I would think you would agree with that into the person you are today. So do you mind expounding on expectations a little bit about how I think, I think today we have a society where maybe they're in, they think they're entitled and they, they, they think life, you know, I often look, sometimes someone said uh, something in it and I thought, instead of saying, why me, why not me? So I think you've hit on a very, very interesting point that I think is one of the most destructive forces that has happened in the last 10 to 15 years. And our expectations have been permanently altered because of social media, because Amen, of yeah. communication. You've got young women, young girls, not even women, young girls that are going through unbelievable shaming of themselves and, yeah. and body identity issues because they think Kim Kardashian is the way a woman should look. And they mm -hmm. see all this stuff. You've got young boys that are exposed to porn at an extremely young age. You mm -hmm. know, you and I, when we saw a Playboy, that was like, man, that was like the best ever. The stuff that my kid saw when he was in fifth or sixth grade takes it to a whole nother level. So yeah. how are they going to have expectations to have a normal love life? How is that girl going to have expectations to, to love her body for the way it is? How yeah. are we going to have those expectations to realize that 
It's okay not to have a Lamborghini or not to have all this other type of stuff. And you've created this fakeness that's out there too, because mm -hmm. on social media, we only see the good stuff. Nobody puts the raw stuff. Now it's interesting. I put a lot of raw stuff out there. I share yeah. my story about almost losing my business. I share the story of me almost dying of COVID and spending two weeks in the ICU. I was, you know, literally posting from there. So expectations is difficult when we lived in a time where you didn't have that instant gratification, that instant exposure to those other things. I think the expectations of having a life that was full and, and, and worthwhile uh, was a little easier. And for me, I think if you can boil it all down, I think it's really two things. The first thing, make a difference. And I hope that you're making a difference for good because when we're gone, we're gone. Now you can believe in the afterlife or heaven or hell or whatever. It doesn't matter what you do on this time right now is what's going to echo in eternity. If I could steal a quote from a gladiator, one of my favorite gladiator. Movies. Absolutely. Yes. The, the, the changes that you made, the people that you impact, those type of things. The second thing that I think is one of the most vital things is, you know, I look at the Marine Corps and I hear stories about these guys that lay down on a grenade. I, I got a chance. I'm a huge World War One history buff. I got a chance to go to Bellow Woods, which was one of the most uh, famous battles of the Marine Corps. We lost 80% of the Marines in the first hour of that battle. We had lost more Marines in that hour than we had in the history of the Marine Corps up to that point. Wow. What in the world is powering those Marines to go into that next line and that next volley of machine gun fire, knowing they're going to die, but they have to be bullet sponges. So maybe the fourth or fifth group can come in there. And it's real simple. It's called love. You got to love. You got to love each other. You got to love your fellow man. You got to live your mission. You got to love what you're out there because without love, what's the purpose of anything? And some people love things that are material and some people love other things, but but that, I think, is a real key for me. My love is obviously to your family. But I made a lot of sacrifices over the last five or six years as I was building my business. And I didn't put my family first. And they knew that. And I told them that. I'm going to miss anniversaries and birthdays and experiences because I'm trying to build this company. And then right. when I finally get it, we'll enjoy it. And over the last year, moving down here to Hilton Head, getting the time to work via Zoom and not have to get on airplanes all the time, we now are able to really connect with each other better than we did in the past. So I think you're spot on with the whole social media thing. I, and I know it's easy for us. Every generation looks at the current generation and we get critical of the advancements in technology as being a threat. You know, right now it's artificial intelligence is kind of the next big threat out there. But um, I was going to ask you your common truths of the warrior. I saw this on your profile. And there's four of them that I saw risk, struggle, grit, and bravery. Which one of those four is the number most important? I, I think it's got to be grit because I think grit is kind of the amalgamation of all those put together. Um, you've got to have grit to embrace risk. Um, you will never be a successful entrepreneur if you don't want to have risk. Now, 80, 90% of the population would never, ever want to risk losing their house, risk losing their pension, risk losing their job. Because when you want to have an opportunity to get rid of the ceiling of the money that you can make, right. you also have to get rid of the floor. So what that True. means is if you're working in a cubicle and you're making $60,000, $70,000 a year and you're doing really great benefits and it's an easy job and you like it and you like your coworkers and you say, you know what, I want to make $300,000 a year. 
Well, unless you're a doctor or lawyer, there's pretty much no way you're going to make that level of money until right. you go ahead and have the risk to get rid of that, that safety net. So What's the difference? Is, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll just, let you finish. I'm sorry. Grit is basically no matter what happens to you, you're going to continue to accomplish that mission. You're going to use iron to sharpen your iron. You're going to conquer your crucibles. You're going to transform and change to get through that. That grit is the glue and that common theme that's going to take you from one step to the next. What's your def What's your difference between that and bravery, I guess? So bravery and courage, I think, are synonymous with each other. Bravery is not not being scared. It's okay to be scared. Look, someone says, are you ever scared when you run into a burning building? Absolutely. If you're not scared running into a burning building as a firefighter, you have no business being in a firefighter. Now, it's more of a healthy respect, I think, than an actual fear. But courage and bravery is embracing that fear and going through and conquering it and, and, and leaning into it. It's having those challenges as an entrepreneur and being scared. It's scary when you sign your house as collateral on the loan that the bank asked that you to, for you to sign. But courage and bravery is still going forward and doing that and not shying away from those challenges. Are you familiar uh, with the term post-traumatic growth? Never heard of that. I wrote about it in my book. Robert Tedeschi is the... Um, Oh, I'm not sure what his profession is, but I'll, we'll, we'll say he's the uh, originator of this term. And I, I, wrote, I write about my book on post-traumatic um, PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. It gets talked about ad nauseum in, in the media, and it should because it's a very important concern today with mental health. But no one ever talks about post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is what comes out of uh, somebody's breakthrough, let's say. So I'll give you an example. You know what post-traumatic stress is, um, and, and it permeates very many levels of society. Um, post-traumatic growth would be somebody that took a, a situation, a struggle, and found a way to persevere, okay? Maybe that warrior-type mentality. But the difference between resiliency and post-traumatic growth is... Post-traumatic growth is after you failed a few times. So in other words, you get to the struggle, you fall off the wagon, you get to the struggle, you fall off the wagon. Most people kind of stay in that, in that mindset and they become depressed and then whatever happens after that. But there's this breakthrough of growth, of learning, of uh, better, not bitter, I like to say, you know, take a situation and make, make the best of it. And I'm just always curious when I bring that up that a lot of people are not familiar with it, but I will tell you right now, there's two books co coming out from people that I follow that are very highly respected and they're on the topic of post-traumatic growth. Uh, I, I certainly think it's, it's an area that, that we in this area of helping people, um, need to discuss more because, you know, for a lot of people, Zach, you and I are just wired a little differently, you know, and, and a lot of people don't have the ability to get up and fight each day, you know, swinging, you know, we, and that's how I think you and I approach a lot of struggles we've had in our lives. You know, yours is, you know, um, certainly admirable and, and your service with the Marine Corps has been, you know, respect that. Uh, I didn't go down that road. I've never been in the service, but you know, I've had certain things come my way. I had to be resilient. So, I'm just always wondering why maybe I'm rambling here, but why some people have figured it out and others haven't yet. I think everybody can, don't you? They just haven't found 
a why yet. You know, I think you just hit the nail right on the head. I think one of the greatest things on the internet is is Simon Sinek's TED Talk on what, mm -hmm. how, and why. And, you know, right. leading with the why, that was for me something that I had right at the very beginning was my why was to transform firefighter safety and the deaths that occurred as a result of that, to change the way that we look at exit signs and, and stop putting batteries and light bulbs in, in um, landfills and try to find another way. Right. So I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more that that why is so incredibly important where most companies just focus on the what and the how, the what is their product. And what ends up always happening is people protect their what so much because they're scared someone's going to copy it or they dump all the most important resource you have as an entrepreneur is cash. Not money, mm -hmm. cash. There's a big difference between the two. Money is like how much credit you can get and how much potential sales are in the pipeline. Cash is how much money's in the bank. Right. And you wrap your cash up on patents because you're so focused on your what. And what happens is you lose track of the how, which is how are you going to make money? How are you going to distribute it? How are you going to get it out there? But when you get to the people that really get it, it's the why and the most brilliant greatest commercial in the history of mankind that hit the why better than anything is the super bowl ad in 1984 for apple when they launched the macintosh it had a very george orgewellian uh guy in black and white and a bunch of these people in the audience that were just looking at it. and this woman comes up and she whips this sledgehammer out she crashes the screen it comes out and the famous words from apple come out think differently. Hmm. Apple to this day has never advertised a processor speed. They've never talked about the features and benefits of a computer. Right. All they talk about is think differently. And then they go through their why. And then they say, would you like to buy this computer? When you walk in an Apple store, you don't see a lot of stuff that talks about this processor and RAM speed. You see this transformational, gorgeous, elegant piece of artwork. Right. And that's why Apple has is, is done so much is that why that they have, what it represents. Another great brand of the why is Harley Davidson. You know, they went through a run there where their bikes were not good, right. but they never missed a beat because people know that that stands for the America's brand. Matter of fact, I think they make, I don't know if this is true, but I think it's close. They, they make almost as much money off of their apparel as they do off of their bikes. I wouldn't be surprised. People want to be part of that. Why? They want to show what that represents. John Deere is another example. I bet John Deere sells more green hats than they do tractors because <laughs> they want people to be associated with that why of their brand. All right. So I, I listen to you. I get your book. I listen to your podcast, which I want to talk a little bit about your podcast as well. And so I get to where I want to go. How do I stay there? seems to me that's more difficult than getting to the top of the mountain. I think staying there is the hardest part of most diets and, and sobriety and all these things that people can get to. It's, it's the inability to stay there. So how do you advise your clients or your followers to maintain that level of, of staying there, not falling back? Donkey Kong, one of the great video games of your and my time. And unfortunately, a lot of the, our younger listeners may not know, but right. <laughs> Kong is constantly trying to get up and every time he's trying to get up there throwing barrels at him to try to knock him back down again yeah and what happens is the farther you go in that game the harder it gets 
but you're getting more experience and you're getting more understanding when you push the button and use the nozzle at the same time. Right. That's what success is. It's Donkey Kong. The higher you get, the more challenging it gets, the more shit that's going to come at you, but the better prepared you are to deal with that. And I think that's what happens. The other thing that I learned very viscerally, my transformation and change when I hit my crucible, when I thought my company was going bankrupt, I stepped down as CEO of the company. Yeah. And the reason I did that was because I realized I could only take the company so far. Right. The other thing is I loved the company so much that I was making choices that were so emotional and not actually the best business decisions because I couldn't separate my emotions from what was the right thing to do. I'm, For example, I would chase a deal that's a $500 deal because I knew my competitor was out there and I could not stand to lose to this right. competitor who didn't have the why that I did that I would miss out on the $100,000 deal that I should have been focusing my time on. And instead I'm focused on this little stuff. So it's using that, that rhino skin and, and help you battle because the, the challenges will get tougher and tougher as you grow, but your ability to deal with those challenges is going to get better and better. I heard a, a business mentor of mine one time said, you know, when you're looking around the table at, at your business meeting um, and you don't see the threat, well, then you're the threat. You know, and I got to thinking about that. There's a joke in playing cards, too, is that if you don't see that they call him the donkey you know, in a poker game, if you don't see the donkey at the table, you're the donkey, you know. And I think sometimes we get in the way of ourselves, not sometimes, probably most of the time, whether it's self-doubt, self-sabotage. You know, you talk about <clears throat> the kids today on TikTok and seeing the Kardashians and seeing the YouTube guys driving Lamborghinis and they're 18 and the kids today think, you know, that's. A, they think that's a successful life and B, they don't realize that the majority of people that have money in our society, first of all, aren't flaunting it. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, The Millionaire Next Door is a great book. I'm sure you've read it. And that's I have. Uh, as a financial advisor, as one of the first books I really dove into. And I'm like, you know, that there's truth to that. You know, if, if I'm in my office and I have 10 people come in, the guy in the fancy car with the fancy suit or the farmer coming in, you know, you know, with manure all over him, you know, probably the guy that looks like he's the most successful possibly isn't. And all I think had no cattle, as they said. That yeah. Point. You look no further than Sam Walton, yeah. who drove the same pickup truck to work every day, the same overalls, and he had more money than anybody. Yeah, it's there's a lot of uh, metaphors and analogies and stories that we can we can gain from reading books like the millionaire next door, um, uh, man's search for meaning, which is a book that I, I think should be required meaning and or reading in high school would be, uh, Victor Frankel's book on the Holocaust and kind of how he used adversity to become a better person, you know, um, not a bitter one. Um, let me spend a few minutes on the, on the warrior's voice. Uh, yes. why don't, why don't you tell us, um, uh, the idea behind it, um, what type of guests, or if I, if I listen to your podcast, what should I get from it? So, um, first of all, I would be honored to have you on a guest. You are exactly the type of guest we're looking for. Now we're, we're interviewing all kinds of warriors. So, um, my partner in the podcast is Colonel Rico player. He is currently on active duty. He's a combat okay. Marine Corps veteran, and he also runs the headquarters and support battalion at Paris Island. Um, and what we do is we talk to people that have overcome challenges in their life. We um, talked to our first couple ones. We, we interviewed a, a chaplain in the military that went through a lot of difficult things in, when he was deployed to Somalia. 
we've talked to um, professional athletes. We've talked to people that have, you know, gone to prison and came out. Our most recent one, Jeff, that I really uh, would like you to watch is a gentleman that lost his son to cancer. Two years later, he loses his other son to suicide. And saw that. before his son is even, you know, buried, his wife has him admitted into a mental criminal mental institution yeah. and drains him out. And, and the two of you are two of the nicest, friendliest people in the world. And you look at you and like, how can you be like this? But the mission, the why that you both have about helping other people and for him having lost a child and trying to treat all kids as his children now to teach and to help them grow. It's just amazing. Um, so the, the, the podcast is really designed to show people how to use adversity to overcome your crucibles. And we look at the full gamut again, from actual warriors yeah. that have been to war all right. the way to people that are just struggling to, to get out of bed in the day. Yeah. I think again, what you're doing is, um, heroic for lack of a better word I can think of um, by using your platform for other people to tell their stories. So in, in storytelling, we become better connected with other people. And that actually has two advantages. It helps the person hearing the story and it certainly helps the person telling it. I know, I know you being vulnerable is therapy for you. Um, it is for me for certain. And I'll never stop talking about Seth and, and Prudence um, till the day I die. And I know a lot of people that are dealing with these things, they, they're a different approach. They want to repress it. They want to, they want to bury it literally and not deal with it. And that stuff tends to fester and then they get older, they snap mm -hmm. or something happens. Yeah. yeah, it does. You're exactly right. You know, the more you hold something down, like a spring, imagine pushing a spring down, the closer you get it to the ground and let go, the higher it's going to come back up. That, that's a, Great that's analogy. a good one. Yeah, it is. Um, so for your podcast, The Warrior Voice, I, I guess for, for people that are interested in getting all your information, obviously, you know, I, I'm on LinkedIn. That's where I met you. But where are the main places people can reach out to you to, um, to get more information on what you do and uh, actually contact you? Certainly. So my website, warriorentrepreneurbook.com, uh, that is... Um, has where my book is available. Obviously the book is available on Amazon and, and Barnes and Nobles. The important thing about the warrioreentrepreneurbook.com website is there's a contact us phase, uh, section okay. there. Please, please, please fill that out. I'm in the process of getting ready to launch a, a complete total transformational journey. It starts with the book. The podcast is part of it, but what we're going to do is put together a combination of online training courses, in-person seminars, one-on-one -on -one coaching, actual, you know, opportunity to, you know, have me come into your business and work with you. It's going to be more focused on the entrepreneur starting a company or the small business that needs to scale to that next level. Um, we also have another course that I'm working with, um, the, the colonel I mentioned, a former CIA uh, gentleman another guy that's got a PhD from Pepperdine where we're going to go into working with companies that are more like a hundred to a thousand employees and deal with a lot of experiential leadership there. But that that's the best way. That is my why that is my mission that I'm working on now is how to teach people to grow and to scale and how to use those warrior attributes to hold each other accountable, but still keep that creativity. Um, email is always good. It's real simple. Zachary L green at gmail.com LinkedIn is great. Uh, you can also find me um, my page on Facebook, uh, Zachary Green Warrior Enterprises LLC, and um, I respond to every single uh, email message that I get. 
you know, I know um, there's a phrase and I can't remember who coined it, but expect the best, prepare for the worst. Uh, and I talked about expectations, about having realistic expectations. And I guess the second part of that would be preparedness. You know, where where is the uh, preparedness angle in your journey and your story? Obviously, um, having realistic expectations uh, will help you deal with adversity that inevitably happens to all of us. But then how do you prepare yourself to, quote, go to battle? I, I don't mean that literally, but how does the average person, it may, maybe it is literally because life is a battle, right? Um, but how do you prepare yourself, Zachary? Maybe not you personally, but how's the average person out there? How can you help them prepare to deal with that phone call they may get in the next? I mean, there's going to be 300 families today, just today, close to 300 in the United States. They're going to get a call that their son or daughter or somebody they love died from an opioid overdose, mostly laced with fentanyl. About 90% of the overdoses are fentanyl. That's not counting suicide, sex abuse, alcoholism. How do you prepare people to fight the day? How do you prepare people to deal with these things that, that unfortunately are going to happen to a certain set of people today, every day, statistically? So I, I think of the warrior stool, let's call it, okay? The three-legged warrior yeah. stool to hold the warrior up. There's three components, and they have to be equal to each other. Otherwise, it's going to tip over and fall. Mind, body, spirit. So let's mm. talk about those real quick. The first one is our mind. The way we've been created and evolved is, is nothing short of incredible. So if you've ever been in a major, major crisis, like a car accident, what a lot of people will tell you is everything slows down right before the moment of impact. And that what happened is your body is flooding itself with adrenaline and cortisol and all these types of sugars that are going through your system to help make your brain focus and pull more information than it can. Your pupils will get dilated. Your breathing will increase to oxygenate your muscles so they can do something. So that's the first one is your mind, your body's ability. It's called the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. And it all has to do with crisis, hmm. getting attacked by a shark, car accident, finding out that your child has died of an opioid addiction or whatever else. You will have those things burned in your mind that you will never forget the smell of the room, the phone yeah. call that came in, the song that was on. They won't be in there. And that's your body's because you're getting these superpowers that are flashing. Now, the opposite has to happen. The parasympathetic system has to happen to deprogram that because otherwise you'll die of a heart attack because right. your blood's flowing too fast, your heart's beating too much, you have too much adrenaline. And that's when after you have an emergency or catastrophe, like a car accident that you a near missed, you find yourself just uncontrollably crying. Um, a fellow Marine, a buddy of mine, we have a beach right in front of our house. He decided to go swim out in the ocean. He literally got attacked by a shark. I mean, you can't make this shit up. Wow. And when he got off the beach, it didn't bite him because he was able to kick it a few times and get it to go away. But it made three passes at him, hit him three times. Hmm. He was so pumped up. He's like screaming like, yeah. And then literally like two minutes later, he cried for four hours and had to go in the bedroom and couldn't get out around the rest of the people because the system kind of did that opposite to him. So that's wow. the first one your mind. Be able to embrace the body and what happens in those crisis situations. The next thing is your body. And there's a couple of things that are really important here. Um, your diet, that's important. Sleep is tremendously important. When you find people that really start to get to the end of their rope and, and they're getting really in that dark abyss, usually lack of sleep is one component that, that builds into that. 
Um, the next thing about your body is exercise. It's very important exercise, be it running, be it walking, something along those lines. That's important. And then the final one is the spirit. That is serenity. That is your ability to be able to surrender that stuff happens. It's really bad and it's not your fault and you can't control it, but you have to believe that there's a bigger power. You can call it God. You can call it your friends. You can call it whatever you want, but that there's a bigger power out there that it's got it. And it's going to say, you know what? Take a break, Jeff. I got this from here. I'm going to help carry you. Or that spirit is, is testing you because it's got something bigger in store for you down the road. And they're using that as a way to test you and to help you grow. So the mind, the body, and the spirit, those are those three things that are all connected. And there's a million books, a million YouTube videos, a million stuff on how to focus that. But when you can focus on all those, and you can't just focus on one. And a great example is I interviewed one of the BUDS instructor at Navy SEALs. And he said he can tell almost pretty high level certainty who's going to quit in the first 48 hours. And the common thread is it's usually the biggest, strongest muscle bound guys. Yeah. Because they have mm. focused so much on training their body, but their mind, their spirit cannot handle the stress that they're going to put them through in those first 48 hours. So that's why it's important. The, the typical seals you find are these guys that look like um, triathletes or marathon runners. They're not that strong, but man, God, do they have a mental capacity and, and, and grit that is just unheard of. I like that, that three-legged stool um, idea. We use that back in the investment business, you know, uh, to build a, a strong foundation. Uh, as we spend the last five or six minutes here wrapping up the show, um, I, I read a lot about Stoic philosophy, uh, and I know you probably are pretty familiar with some of the famous Stoics. It seems to be like a, a, a resurgence of Stoicism right now. Um, and there's a lot of parallels to ancient philosophy, or I guess um, metaphors, I could say, that that can help people today as they deal with things. You mentioned the mind, body, and spirit. Where would you put uh, meditation? in that. Uh, and then my last part of this question, two part question would be, um, well, actually, why don't you answer that first, uh, on the meditation, where, where, where does meditation come into all this? I I'm a huge advocate of it. I write about it a lot. I don't know if you practice it, but it seems to be that's taking a resurgence as well. Yep. Uh, people, people looking to fill these voids, you know, where, where does meditation fit in? So I do, I do transcendental meditation TM uh, for okay. about a year there. I was doing it every morning and afternoon. I was very involved in the organization. I've not done it as much because I probably don't need it as much now as I did. And it's um, for me, it's not meditation. That's just one of the components. It's mindfulness. Mindfulness yeah. can take the form of meditation. It can take the form of prayer. You can be mindful by going to right. church. My number one way of mindfulness is just walking on the beach and just sometimes laying in the hammock and I'll bring my laptop out there and work. And it just helps me kind of ground myself and center myself. Mindfulness could be volunteerism. It could be helping somebody else out. It comes in lots of shapes, but basically what it's doing is giving your mind a break and giving it a chance to almost reset itself through getting rid of all those external things. And it, it could even be just going to a museum and seeing beautiful artwork or those type of things. But I, I think that's vitally important to the warrior. If you look at, I think one of the greatest warriors of all time was the samurai. And they focused on poetry and calligraphy. 
um, mm. because they really wanted that mindfulness that could disconnect them from all those other things and, and appreciate those uh, finer points in life. My son came back from school with uh, Sung Su, The Art of War, which I read it. And I think I read it back in college. Um, but yeah, that's, I would, again, I'm not having read it in a while. I assume it has a lot of the warrior mindset um, because I, I'm fairly certain he was a great warrior. Uh, <laughs> um, but let me well, ask the you. Central tenant of Shinzu and the art of war is knowing yourself. Yeah. That is the common theme of all of those. Yeah. I'm, it's crazy how much we could learn from the past, you know, the, 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 the way the ancient Chinese and the Greeks and um, the, 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 even at some capacity, I you know, I don't want to throw the Romans in there because they basically self-destructed, but a lot of parallels to America and the Roman Empire, I guess, right? <laughs> um, well, I mean, the Greek is where the real foundation is. I right. mean, I, I've been to Italy and Rome several times, and it's funny because when they find Greek streets, the Romans never moved it. They always built on top of the Greek streets because they knew the foundation was amazing. Uh, Interesting. How solid it was. Yeah, I've never heard that, but I certainly believe it. Uh, let me ask you a question. I, I had this as a poll question on, on on LinkedIn yesterday, I think it was, or this early last week. And I'm always curious on how people look at this, because I think it's very easy for people to submit to an external agency to be responsible for everything, you know? And so I pose this question. Do you, do you think things happen for a reason or do you think things happen and you make your own reason? And I guess I'll ask you what your thoughts on that, uh, that question. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I don't think that's a binary question. Um, I don't believe in coincidence. I do believe things happen for a reason. I have a very strong faith in God, and I know that he's up there kind of pulling strings. People that you meet, way that you come up. I think, you know, the fact that you and I have connected to each other, that's not coincidence. There, there's a bigger force that's out there. However, I think you also make your own destiny. You know, if God presents you with all these different things. So, for example, you've got cancer and God says, OK, here's the best doctor. Here's the chemo. Here's all the stuff. And you keep saying, no, 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 I don't need to do that. And then you right. die and you go to the pearly gates and like, God, come on. I pray. What do you do? He's like, you weren't paying attention. I gave you the doctor. I gave you the drugs. I gave you all this stuff. And you just kept ignoring each one of those things. So we are born with free will, which gives us the opportunity not to do or to do stuff. But I think when you can embrace that energy, call it karma, call it God, call it whatever you want, and you can then start to make choices, recognizing that that's going to be out there and not blindly assume that, you know, it's all going to work itself out. Right. But, but taking those little things out there and trying to absorb as much of them and, and utilize them um, and manipulate them as much as possible to your advantage and to your why is is really important. I was surprised. It, it was, I think, right around 50-50, the, the poll votes, where 50% of people thought that things just happen for a reason and, and I don't have any control over it. I have control over how I react, right? But not the actual event. But then other people said, no, I, I think whatever happens to me, it's my responsibility to figure out why it happened. And, and if there isn't one, then fabricate one, make one up, you know? And uh, I, I kind of battled all this as I was dealing with questions about, you know, why my son, for many reasons, you know, not, not that he was taken by anybody, but why he chose that particular decision that heroin would be an idea to get high, you know, and obviously fentanyl wasn't as big a name as it is today, but there are more overdoses and we know more about fentanyl. 
So there, there's something certainly not, uh, there's something certainly a problem with the system when we, I think education is actually better on these topics, but people are dying. There's more suicides, there's more alcoholism, there's more overdoses, but we know more about all these topics. So I, I, I'm kind of compelled to feel, and this is why I meet people like you every day, figure out ways we can get these narratives to start changing, to get these statistics going in the other direction. So people are less chasing happiness in their life and more pursuing peace, you know, getting, getting some sense of peace. Ha happiness is just such a wasted emotion. I, I can be happy by buying a car, but I can't I be at peace. Than, yeah. Happy. It's more fulfillment. I think yeah. it's a better way to look at, it. you know, yeah. you're feeling a connection there. Um, I think one of the other ways of looking at your question is, is the concept of chaos. And we are trained to put chaos in order. But the one thing you can do with chaos is you can't put it in order. Hmm. You have to embrace that there is a beauty in chaos and there is a uh, cadence and a synergy to connect up with chaos. And when you can do that and you can let go and surrender that it's just chaotic and you are able to be resilient in the point that no matter what happens to you, you're going to be able to react to it. I think that helps people get through those challenges. And when those catastrophes happen, rather than simply trying to say you're going to control them because life is a series of random things and bad things and good things. And you have to embrace that energy and, and what happened there, but you also have to accept that the only constant is change. And, and sometimes things are just wackadoodle and, and you've got to be able to be resilient with that warrior mindset to uh, take care of whatever comes your way. Well, I'm very appreciative of the chaos of life of introducing you and I together. Uh, and I really look forward to doing a lot more work and exploration with your projects in conjunction with what, what I'm doing as well. Uh, I hope to meet you when I'm on my tour uh, this summer. I leave in four months and I'd say uh, we could go an hour talking about the amazing humbleness and beauty in this project that I, that I somehow popped into my head one, one afternoon and I'm terrified as hell. I, I am. There's a, there, what, where's your thing? Risk. I I'm, I'm risking a lot by doing this. I'm already struggling with the tour. I mean, I'm going to be on day 95 days on the road and I've got, you know, I've got things back here I'm working on and grit. Yeah. I have to be full of grit to, to do something like this. And then bravery. I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm uh, courage and bravery would be words. I would certainly feel I, I I'm trying to fill that well up every day, but meeting people like you and uh, listening to, to your podcasts and, um, and reading parts of your book and so forth have really put me in a really good spot that there are a lot of other people out there that can take chaos and turn it into something good. So I'm very grateful that we met and I appreciate the time you've taken. Uh, I would certainly be, more than honored to reciprocate and be a guest on your show. We'd love to have um, you on. And, and Jeff, you are a true warrior and you have unbelievable courage and bravery and um, what you went, have been through and will continue to be through is difficult, but you have that courage and that grit to, to get through that and to help others. And I'm honored to be part of that journey. Uh, hopefully I can host you when you're down here in Hilton head. We've got uh, plenty of extra bedrooms and bathrooms. So uh, I'd love to have you over and invite some of our neighbors and friends. I think they would really love to, to talk to you. And uh, again, would be honored to have you as a guest on our show coming up here. 
Well, keep doing what you're doing. And um, you are a warrior and you're also living undeterred. So with that, my friend, we will uh, we'll talk at a later date. But I appreciate the time you've taken today to be on the show. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. You too.